24th chapter, beginning with verse 44. Jesus said to them, this is what I told you when I was still with you, that everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures and he told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and I'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. In the last few weeks, we have been observing as a church and and certainly all around the world um, the importance of Easter and uh, the ascension of Christ and Pentecost. Pentecost was last Sunday. It's when basically the church was born on that first Pentecost. So I think we could all agree, maybe most of us, I would hope all of us can can agree, that the most significant event in history was not when man walked on the moon, or when your team won the Super Bowl, or when the Astros won the World Series, that's specifically for Josh uh, and Ricky, um, Astro guys. The most significant event in history is the birth, life, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. History changed with his life. History changed. How we see the calendar changed with his life. It went from before Christ to Anno Domini in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. From B.C. to A.D. He is everything. And yet he told them to wait. To wait for the promise of the Father. Then the gift of the Father, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost... On Pentecost, the church was born. And these events are the cornerstone of Christianity. So I would like for you to remember with me, just we're going to go through it very quickly. This is not History 101, but this is life-changing. You know, this isn't just good advice. This is scripture, and it changes lives. It changed your life. It changed my life. So I want you to consider with me the importance of the cross, the crucifixion. Um, Back to the scripture we read earlier, it talks about how repentance and forgiveness of sins, that's salvation. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, that's salvation. We repent, we say we are sorry for what we have done, we ask for his forgiveness, we receive his goodness, what he did on the cross. Scripture must be fulfilled. I often think that we don't understand the importance of Scripture. We live in a land where I don't know how many Bibles you have at your house. I have many just on my shelves in the office. I don't think we always get it because we don't live in China where it's really hard to get one. We don't live in places where people can die for having one. I have more on my shelves in my office than perhaps people in other countries, persecuted countries, would ever see. Scripture is not for us to bend it into our culture or thinking. Scripture is to change our lives. 
2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The one that had no sin became sin for me and for you. So that we might be able to be called children of God. think about the resurrection we know in scripture is recorded many times and by many different people seeing Jesus Mary Magdalene was the first one and she thought he was the gardener now I don't know how you look when you work in the garden I don't look so good Uh, but she thought Jesus was the gardener and she asked him you know sir if you'll show me where you put him I'll go and get him and she recognized Jesus when he called her name Can you imagine what that would be like to go from incredible, the depths of grief, the depths of hopelessness, the depths of despair, the one they thought that was the Messiah had been killed on a cross and he called her name. And she cried out, Rabbi. And he said, go and tell my brothers So obviously they weren't there. Go and tell my brothers. Some say she was the first evangelist. Think about the Emmaus Road. That two were walking along on the Emmaus Road. And Jesus came along and walked with them. And they were talking about, you know, the the crucifixion. There's no way we can also understand how brutal it was. It doesn't matter what video game you've seen with, you know, graphic images or whatever. The, the crucifixion of Jesus was incredibly brutal. The most powerful um, world leader, world, the Romans controlling all the world, had figured out the best way to torture. It was not pleasant. Isaiah says that he was not recognizable. And they had seen that. And on the Emmaus Road, he, it talks about how he began sharing the scriptures with them. And then they invited him to stay stay with them and it was when he blessed the bread and broke it that they understood it was him can you imagine what it would be like to be at that table and all of a sudden you recognize it's Jesus and the prayer that he would have prayed the prayer that that they prayed over the bread was blessed o lord blessed art thou o lord our god king of the universe who brings forth bread from the earth. And Jesus had said, I am the bread of life. And he was the bread brought forth from the earth. He was sitting there before them until he disappeared. Don't have that quite figured out, but that's what happened. Think about the miraculous catch of fish. Peter said, I'm going fishing. Seven of them said, we'll go with you. And that night they caught nothing. Now, I've kind of, it's not on my resume that I'm a great fisherman or fisherwoman or whatever they call that, you know, Um, although I have high respect for those that that do. But I'm guessing that when you fish all night and you catch nothing, you're not real excited about that. Is that a fair word? I mean, I'm guessing they were kind of bummed. Seven guys in a boat, don't think the boat was that big, and they'd caught nothing. So I'm kind of guessing attitudes might have been a little, you know... (laughs) And so somebody on shore, some dude on shore goes, have you caught any fish? Is that what you want to hear when you caught nothing? 
you know? They were probably going, who is that guy, you know? (laughs) And he tells them, cast your net on the other side. And they do. And fish just start jumping in, 153 to be exact. Somebody was a bean counter in that group. You know, and they, they don't even know, I mean, and, and it says, John says to Peter, it's the Lord. Can you imagine as the fish are jumping in and they're not even sure if they can haul it ashore and they'd been fishing all night and they were tired and Jesus had died on the cross and yes, they had seen him in resurrected form, but what was going to happen next? And then he's filling their net and they have a hard time even hauling it in. So Peter being always really composed and, you know, very careful in his mannerisms, he jumps into the water and he swims to shore about 100 yards. And Jesus already had fish and bread cooking. Now, I don't think anybody asked him, where'd you get the fish or where'd you get the bread? You know, he's Jesus. He's God. He can do that, right? Um, And he told them to bring the fish. And when he gave them the bread... He would have prayed, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth, even as he was the bread that was brought from the earth in his resurrection. It was at that time that Jesus walked with Peter on the beach and he said, Peter, do you love me? Y'all remember? Peter, do you love me? Three times Jesus asked it. Three times Peter answered He told him to feed his sheep. Incredibly powerful words. Acts 1 verses 4 through 8 says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. I want you to think about all they had seen and done. They had seen miracles. They had seen healings. They had seen Lazarus be raised from the dead. They had seen the tense arguments with with the leaders, um, religious leaders. All they had seen, all they had experienced. And Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem. Until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the gift of the Father. And then there was the ascension. So this was about a 40-day time period after Jesus rose from the dead. Um, The ascension is something that we don't talk about a lot. We don't, some, some denominations do more so than we. But John Wesley very much saw that as a big deal. Um, The ascension really pretty critical in the whole thing and it's part of what we say in the Apostles Creed and also in it's also in the Nicene Creed but from Luke 24 verse 50 and when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany he lifted up his hands and blessed them 
And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. When priests normally prayed over people when they gave a blessing, like at the end of something, and I don't know if this is what Jesus did. I mean, I wasn't there. You know, you weren't there. So I don't know. But often a prayer they would pray is from Numbers 6, 24 through 27. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And peace means shalom. Rightness, well-being, for, far more than just the absence of war. We've talked about how that we talk about the ascension in the creeds, that he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Wesley um, wrote about it in his directions for Sunday services, and he said there were three non-Sunday Holy Day observances that he wanted to happen and that were, did not happen on a Sunday. And, he, and that was Good Friday, Christmas, and the Ascension. The Ascension happens on a Thursday, 40 days after the resurrection. So the language of, of Ascension is, is basically primarily the language of enthronement. Jesus finished, he said, it is finished, it is accomplished. He finished his task, and he went to heaven, to the right hand of the Father. It's marked not just something about Jesus of the church, but about the scope of salvation for the whole universe. Jesus ascended to heaven to assume the fullness of his reign. I heard a, a pastor speak a sermon, preach a sermon just on the ascension, and it was amazing. Um, we'd be here a very long time if I told you about it. It's a sermon in itself. But the ascension is an important part of the story of Jesus, and he will return again. And then Pentecost. Pentecost was last week, and we didn't talk a great deal about it. It's also called in Jewish culture and in their religion the Festival of Weeks, or Shavuot. And it's a reminder of the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai and the renewal of that covenant. It's also the first fruit of the harvest. So I want you to think with me. I want to read some scripture, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Acts 2, 32 through 41. And this is Peter. The day of Pentecost has come. We think they were in the temple court somewhere or in some of the rooms there. And we know about the Holy Spirit being poured out upon them. And then Peter stands up and gives a sermon. Peter, who previously uh, struggled with leading in a way that was a good thing. And so Peter preaches quoting Psalms and Joel. But God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what, what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. 
And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this crooked generation or corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000, that's a lot of people. I worked for a pastor one time who said many years ago, like when I was 25, um, he, he said he just figured that, you know, they weren't just praying. He fig- it, they weren't exactly doing the EE thing, you know, evangelism explosion. But he just felt like they were probably talking it up. And so that's why 3,000 were added. And we don't know. I mean, I'm guessing some of them may have been talking about it. But the primary thing it talks about is that they were in prayer. And again, just like sometimes I don't think we recognize the importance of Scripture and the power of it. I don't think we recognize the power in prayer. Peter's sermon was no longer denying Jesus, quoting Joel and the Psalms. 3,000 were added to their number on the day that the Jewish people brought the first fruits of the harvest. So in my mind, that would be 3,000 of the first harvest, the first fruits of many, many to come, accepting Jesus as their Savior. I mean, oh my goodness, on the same day, sometimes scripture is cool like that, right? We are a part of the harvest as well. There will come a day when the harvest will be ended. So what does that mean for us today? How are we a part of fulfilling the Great Commission How do we fill every neighborhood with the good news of God's love? If those who walked and talked with Jesus in the flesh needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need him? Jesus said, it's better for you that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So in, in Luke, I'm sorry, in Acts 2, we, under, we know the story about how they were all gathered in one place and there was a great wind and fire that settled over them. We know that they spoke in tongues that other people from other countries understood. And it was about the glorious deeds of God. Okay? So people had gathered because it was one of the required feasts that they attend, and they had gathered there. And so people from many other nations were there, and they heard in their original tongue the the mighty works of God. So it's important, I think, to note that when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, um, whether in revival or whatever, it is about glorifying God and pointing people to Jesus and helping them to understand the need for repentance the need for salvation, which is what followed. It's what Peter talked about. So it's the power to witness. Now, I know people that it, is, it seems just effortless for them to witness. There are a couple in our presence, and I'm not going to try to totally embarrass them, but I'm going to a little bit. But if you've ever been with Gary Swindle more than five minutes, I mean, he just starts talking about the Lord. And it's just so easy. And part of my roof got damaged in a hailstorm about a year ago, and Gary was helping me with it. And, and he just starts talking to the next-door neighbor about the Lord. You know, and the guy knew the Lord, but Gary didn't know he knew the Lord. And his name, Gary, is what? Greg. And he's your good friend now. And I think you played golf with him some. Good guy. But not attended. Now, I kind of knew his name was Greg. Uh, confessing my sin here. 
But Gary found out in five minutes, talked to him about the Lord, the guy knew the Lord, all this stuff, right? Cool? I mean, cool. Not messing with you, cool. So, and somebody knocked on Gary's door, and I think Marion Griffin was one of them, one day many moons ago, to talk to Gary about Jesus. Is that right? Have I got the story kind of sort of right? Um, Mary Beth is really good at talking to people about Jesus. You're somewhere. Did she just leave? There she is. I mean, Mary Beth talked to somebody in Dillard's, right? Now, a lot of times, I don't go to Dillard's that often, but when I do, I'm I'm the kind of shopper that I'm in and out, okay? You know, and Mary Beth strikes up this conversation with this lady at Dillard's, right? And invited her to church, and she's wanting to join our church, yes? And what country was she from? Yeah, Iran. In the news right now, right? The woman's from Iran. And of Persian descent, was she anyway, or do I have that totally wrong? Now, now we, didn't, we weren't off the hook, no joke about fishing here. But, did y'all get it? But, you know, but I still am responsible for talking to people about Jesus. And we all are responsible about talking to people about Jesus. He changed our lives. He changed our lives. So the power to witness, the importance of repentance. Now, I don't know about you, but I need to repent on a fairly regular basis. And I will give you a red-hot example. Fresh off the (laughs) whatever. So a week ago, Robert wanted to drive to go see friends near Austin, and Robert's car has, oh, over 100,000 miles on it. And so he wanted to switch with me, which we sometimes do because mine does not have that many. And so we switch cars. And so uh, on last Sunday, the check engine light comes on in Robert's car. And I'm pretty excited about that because I just love car repairs. It meets my deepest need. Are y'all with me? You know, I just pull out the wrench, you know, and I just get to going. My father actually did teach me a few things like that, but none of that works anymore. You know, it's all computerized. And so I knew enough to know that when the light comes on, you just don't ignore it. You don't take a little piece of duct tape and just put it over it on the dash, right? You have to, you know. So Lauren and I worked it out. She followed me, and and we drove to the car repair place and left the car and left him a note, left the key, all that stuff. Oblivious to Robert, he didn't know. But oh my goodness, if that had happened on I-35... Going to Austin Sunday afternoon when you can't find anybody for help, you know, it would not have been fun. As much as I enjoy it, Robert would have enjoyed it more, right? So we get the car fixed. Let's just say it was more than $5. It's a 2007 and a great car, but has a lot of miles, but he's going to drive that puppy until the rapture, if we can. So yes... Friday. Um, I was running some errands and I went by to try to get it inspected and it failed because they had just fixed it. And the guy told me to drive it like 50 miles, but I didn't. So I just thought, I'll, I'll go to another place and they can inspect the car and we're done. Because they said it was ready for inspection. Well, they couldn't do that because I hadn't driven it long enough because they'd stopped the computer. Are y'all taking notes? Because I paid money for this. Okay. <laughs> And it was like the first guy just said, when the computer stopped, it has to reset, and you have to have like 50 to 70 miles on it before it'll read right. Okay, so we did that. I get in the car 
Friday afternoon about lunchtime, and guess what light comes on? Man, y'all are prophetic. You know, you're operating in the spirit right here. The stupid check engine light comes on. Now, I would love to say, as one who really encouraged the moving mountains prayer thing, you know, and I love the songs we sang and all that, I will not repeat what I said. I might be, you know, fired for what I said. You know, had anyone heard me? I was so mad at that stupid car. And I'm thinking, okay, let's just pay another thousand because I'd already paid. Can you count? One, two thousand. That's a fair amount of money, right? And I'm just like, and I just kind of have a little fit in the car. I mean, and it got real quiet spiritually. Y'all with me? I just wasn't hearing a whole lot. And I'm just, I would have loved to give the testimony of I prayed, the light went off, we're good. But man, that light was just right there. And so I called Lauren and I said, okay, I'm going to have to, and I called the place where they fixed it and, and it wound up being a hose they didn't tighten enough and they didn't charge me anything. And that's a blessing because I had already, you know, financed their entire vacation for the next two years, you know. But later, I was kind of like, man, it didn't take a whole lot to just set me off. I mean, A1 set me off. And, and I don't do that that often, very gratefully. And, you know, of course, my kids might know. I really think they would say, I don't do that that often. But that's something I needed to repent over. Because I immediately took it to the worst case... Didn't even think about, well, I did a little bit later, God, I need your help here. But it got real quiet. I needed to repent. Talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is about the forgiveness of sin. That is all of us, right? You say you haven't sinned, I would just suggest that perhaps telling the truth is an issue for you. We've all sinned, (laughs) right? See, I'm saying it very delicately. They teach you in preaching class, consider with me that maybe you're a liar, you know? Um, So years ago, we did children's impact camp, and Cindy J was working for me at that time because Timothy was a little darling. I'm not sure if you'd had Allison yet, but we took him to Camp Copus, which was ancient then. They have remodeled, and that's a very good thing. But anyway, kids are going to be going to camp soon. And one night we presented the gospel, and it is not talking about how hot the bad place is, you know, and you're really going to be sweating it if you go to the bad place, and so you need to accept Jesus. We talk about that God loves you. God loves you. He loves you. And he sent his son to die for us on the cross. And we have all sinned and fallen short of him. And so we gave the very simple message. And that night, the Holy Spirit really fell. And I've not seen it in any camp since then. I've not seen it in any camp before that. But we had about 90 kids come down. And we had about 200 kids there. So it was about half the camp. And some of the counselors were just like, yes. You know, because some of them were behaving in such a way that was not, you know, a good thing. Uh, one counselor, his entire cabin got saved. And he was just like, thank you, God. Um, a little girl came down, and she was about in the fourth grade. And tears were just streaming down her face. And I will tell you, in my callous, cynical nature, I was thinking, well, she's homesick. You know? 
And because that happens. And I asked her and she said, I just feel so far from God. Now this was like a nine-year-old, blonde hair, blue-eyed, cute little girl. Some of the kids in the camp, I could have said, well, yeah, and it's because of this, this, and this. But this little girl, and yet the Holy Spirit was drawing her. It wasn't my job to go, oh, honey. It was my job to say, well, we can pray. It was my job to take her to Jesus. And she prayed to accept Jesus that night. The point is, he has changed all our lives. Part of of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is prayer. It talks about in in those days they spent time in prayer, the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, uh, fellowship. You know, we sing songs about moving mountains, but we really have seen that. And we need to keep praying. A couple of weeks ago, I was praying and kind of asking the Lord and, and trying to hear from him and giving him time to talk rather than me just, you know, going through my list. But Lord, how would you have us pray? And I felt like he very clearly said, this is not the time to relax. And I don't know about you, but I kind of sort of wanted to, you know, we have this new guy coming, all that. SPRC has told me to quit calling him new guy. Um, his, <laughs> his name is John Allen, and he'll be with us January 7th. And uh, I'm sorry, January. Oh, Jesus, thank you. July. See, I'm still so upset about that car, the check engine light. Robert has no clue how upsetting that was. Because, well, anyway, anyway. <laughs> I'll spare you details. Um, and he's already talked about, he talked some about annual conference. I mean, we're looking at worship. He already has ideas for Christmas. Lauren and David are just like, yes. You know, I mean, he's, and in his first sermon series, he wants, to, the, he wants to talk about a place to begin. And we all need to be a part of that. We all need to be a part of that. That it's not a time to relax in prayer. Don't care if you go to the lake or whatever. But it's not a time to relax in prayer. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit also had to do with healing by his stripes, right? Crucifixion, by his stripes we are healed. And as a church, this is a place of healing. It's a place of community. It's a place of home. It's a place of caring for each other. And so as we... You know, how does, what does the Holy Spirit, what does it mean for us today? Well, for starters, it means everything. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit means everything. It wasn't just a date on the calendar 2,000 years ago, but it's for today as well. And oh, how we need the work of the Holy Spirit. I worked for a pastor one time years ago who said, Spirit-filled Christians leak. And it's tr- the, the events of the day, the stuff you go through, Lord, fill me again with your spirit. Fill me again, Lord, with your spirit. I've been working with a young woman who's facing pretty serious things uh, health-wise at the age of 26. Not many people have to do that. And she said, I just don't want to be alone. I don't want to die alone. Do you know how sobering that is to hear? And I told her, 
you grew up in this church, that will not happen. We are with you. We will be with you. And, and praying that that won't happen for her. But that's what we do in family, right? We walk with each other. We pray for healing. We pray for miracles. We pray for all that. But our job is to walk with people. And when tragedy happens or things happen, we do not understand. The most important thing we can do is hold on. I don't get it, but this isn't the end of the story yet. And I'm going to trust God. So for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for Pentecost, for this day, for praying for John Allen, we prayed for a guy that we didn't even know what he looked like. We, we didn't know who he was. We didn't know what it was going to be like. And in July 1st, he will be here. And we need to be praying for him. And praying for the church. Praying for what God wants to do here. We need to pray about filling every neighborhood with the good news of God's love. We need to pray. Today is a day um, much like Mother's Day, except it's Father's Day, that it can be a time of tremendous joy. And it can also be a time that's hard, if we're honest. And um, for a variety of reasons. And yet, I, need to, I think I need to say that I am so grateful for the church. And I'm so grateful for this church. And I am so grateful for men and women that God raised up to be parents to my kids. And I'm grateful for brothers and sisters in Christ who came alongside in good times and in difficult times. It's huge. It's everything. Lauren posted on a, a picture when they were in Cambodia. Chiv's going to be talking about Cambodia this Wednesday night. So y'all want to come, right, Chiv? Yes? No? Yes? Chiv's asleep on the front row. Um, <laughs> you don't act that way in Cambodia, Chiv. I know I've seen the pictures, but... But she, taught, she said, how cool to go on a trip with spiritual parents, with people that have been like parents to me. And I'm grateful for that. I'm not like, well, you know, I'm her mother. I'm like, thank you, God, for other people to come alongside and speak into my kids. It's huge. And that's what we do. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 were... 3,000, 3,000, y'all get it? How many? Joined in a day. And it talks about how that they continued to, you know, meet together and pray and how God was moving in mighty, mighty ways. The next chapter in Acts, a guy gets healed that was lame. It wasn't a small thing. He hadn't just stubbed his toe, you know? It was a big deal. The guy went nuts. In a good way, in Jesus' love. Got himself in trouble with the authorities. Imagine that. So in this place, at First Methodist Carrollton, we say, come Lord Jesus. We say, come Holy Spirit and fill us again. The story of Acts is amazing. The story of the work of the Holy Spirit. Yet almost all of those men 
died martyr's death. And I know that doesn't sound like that's a great ending, but it's the story. And, and we'll see them someday. Our job, our time here is about bringing people to Jesus. A lot of times when I pray with people, it's kind of like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And the Lord says, bring them to me. You know? It's pretty simple. We bring them to Jesus. So I just encourage you this day, wherever you are, that Pentecost is not just about history, but it's about today. It's not just about what happened a long time ago and, oh, isn't that cool, but that kind of stuff doesn't happen today. Well, I beg to differ, it absolutely happens today. So I would just um, encourage you. Any revival in history began with prayer. And we just need to continue in prayer. It began with small groups, meeting. John Wesley, the Great Awakening. I mean, it began with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And God moving. You read his journals. They're crazy. About how the Spirit of God moved. And it's my prayer in this place as we prepare our hearts for a new pastor. And certainly give thanks to God for the ministry that has gone on here for years in previous pastors that God would move in our midst and that we would be faithful and, and move in a way that he wants to move. We need to get in what he's doing. Our job is to line up with what he's doing and our job is to bring people to Jesus. So let me pray real fast and then David, uh, we will sing. If you would like to join the church, if you would like to make a decision for Jesus Christ, if you would like to receive him, if you'd like to just come pray and give thanks. Um, the altar is open. Let's pray for a minute. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. How we thank you. How we thank you that you fill the needs of our hearts. You, God, are the one that meets our needs. So, Holy Spirit, move among us. You are welcome in this place. And we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of gathering in your name. Lord, fill your people. Encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen.